We should listen to the track. Yeah, let's oh, check that track out real quick. I'm down with that. And this is Silk Pillowcase. This is Silk Pillowcase, which was the final track on the last EP 555. We'll take a break. So many thoughts in my head Question, to put it bluntly What the hell do I do wrong? What the hell do I do right? Guess I'll find out within this song Pressure, darling, pressure Like a diamond in the rough Pressure Darling, pressure, welcome, forgiveness, well, that's enough, well, that's enough. Silk pillowcase. God, that was beautiful. That was Thank really, you. That was really good, girl. Thank you very good. much. Yeah. I'm proud of that because I all that's all me. I'm Production. proud. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Look no, at this young you thing so over here. Look at her making moves. <laughs> See? Yeah. Good. Good. Thank you. I had a question. Yes. What are some of your? Uh, this is pretty basic, but gotta know. 
uh, musical influences? Oh my goodness. So off bat, um, Janelle Monet, Amy Winehouse, mm -hmm. Joni Mitchell, um, Freddie Mercury. Is black um, as Erica maybe? Oh, oh Erica. So can I tell you real yeah. quick the story? Yeah. Like Erica Badu is actually like very essential. Her and Janelle Monet like why I started making music. Mm -hmm. So uh, 2010, which was when Erica put out the New America Part Two project, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was I literally had been like in the running to get this teaching job and had had all these different interviews. And long story short, I didn't get it. I was trying to teach in Chicago. And um, my best friend and I was like, yo, Erica Badu is coming to Chicago like beginning of June after graduation. I don't have a job. I don't have health insurance. Let's just take my car. Let's go to Chicago. Let's go see her. And um, Lena Horne was one of my biggest inspirations growing up. Like I, I just, I thought the world of Lena. The Wiz is my favorite film. So um, Lena Horne had passed away the week before this concert. And I was just looking for a sign. I'm like, all right, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I don't, nothing. So we got these tickets and it was like the front, the first row of the mezzanine at the Chicago Theater. Mm -hmm. So it was like, drove down, picked up my homies in Madison, got to Chicago. We stayed at this hostel for like 24 hours. We get to the theater and, uh, you know, I was like, boo-hoo. And it was Janelle Monae, uh, N.E.R.D., Pharrell's band. Mm -hmm. And it was like, was a surprise appearance from Lupe Fiasco. Like, just this <laughs> nuts show. But Erica came out, and she was doing her set. And then in the middle of her set, she did the If You Believe reprise from The Wiz. And I lost it. I was like, that's wow. my sign. That's it. Like, I was like, I want this sign. And um, after the show... There was this young man who was probably like 12, 13, and he'd done this sketch of Erica Badu, and he's like, I really want to see Erica Badu. And so we were waiting around, and this woman came up to us and was like, You know, she usually comes out this side door. So we waited. And this kid was waiting to get a signature. She like pushed everybody out the way of the car and was like, Bring this young man to me. And she like talked to him and signed the poster. I'm like, This is great. So we're like, All right, we got to take the L, get back before, you know, it's late. We got to yeah. get. And we come around the corner, and Janelle Monet and like the rest of the Wonderland Art Society came out. They actually filmed us, like, it's on her YouTube page. <laughs> and they filmed me being like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I don't know, like, just <laughs> like ecstatic. But that was the moment where I felt like, All right, it's time to just like, you didn't you got you graduated you got your degree you don't have a job you don't go for what what makes you happy mm -hmm. and i honestly had to go against the currents of like not having that support like even my parents who i love dearly they were scared you know your daughter wants to be an, a starving artist it was like nah we didn't you know want you to go to college for this mm -hmm. but going and seeing erica badu and janelle monet specifically also seeing them embrace their blackness in their own unique way was what really catapulted me to be like nah it's time to make some music like in the way that i want to make it but that Excellent. concert i hear that. that did it like that did it for me i hear that you know because uh I, I i hear a lot of um the strength that resonates from erica badu mm -hmm. in your voice in your tone well, thank you you mean what the hell you say yeah you ain't out here playing yeah. no you know? <laughs> i'm not i'm really not and that makes not. a huge difference so besides people like Erica Badu and your other any any other influences? Oh my goodness, um, like Amy real Winehouse, powerful ones. Amy Winehouse was girl. a huge influence for That's me in college because I felt like, um, you know, I had had I'd heard some of her older work, but when Back to Black came out as an album, I know, ain't that a badass album? It just like 
it did something for me because I was in a situation in college at that point where it was like my roommate and I weren't connecting. I was really wondering, like, being at a predominantly white institution, is this for me? Like, I really didn't feel like I had this net. And I would go to class with my headphones on and just, like, go into this dream world. And when she won the Grammy, um, like, for that project, mm -hmm. I mean, they literally, it was like she had visa problems, so she couldn't come mm -hmm. to the Grammy Awards. But they had that live footage of her, like, seeing and winning like I, I i don't know why that sticks out to me but i remember sitting here and going because like i knew how much music meant to her and so like her whole her whole story and just all the other artists she worked with amy's story really resonated with me on like a soul level and the importance of soul music mm -hmm. and also how she paid homage to all the black artists who created that music for her to be a part of right. there was something about that that just really struck a chord with me so i'd say like that project specifically kind of led into me really wanting to take that soulful approach yeah. within my music okay. like that really resonated. That project well, did. That's that's amazing because Amy. I don't know if you guys are into Amy Winehouse. I'm very into Amy Winehouse, and you know, hearing her say that really, she's right. It really does resonate with a lot of the soul. You know, because you think a lot of the like the Northern soul in, mm -hmm. in the UK, which is huge. You know, you got artists like her. You got artists like like um um what was who was her protege? Um, the younger girl. You know, who I'm talking another black woman. She's mm -hmm. a young lady. Um, I know he. I can Chris see Lee, her. Yes. Lee Bailey. No, no, no. This is. She was much younger. She oh. was like. Yeah. Maybe my house was twenty six. This girl was twenty three. Yeah, and you know? she would be a part of things. I'm like blanking. Yeah, on yeah I'm totally blanking. Her, on, yeah. But you know what I'm talking about. So that was a big influence, and that's a great mm -hmm. influence to have, actually, mm -hmm. especially coming from a female perspective with yeah. the big voice like that. You and know? she had this big voice, and she was also like. You know, I, have you seen her documentary, Amy? It's really, really fascinating because yeah. you see like how the media and how even like her family really skewed everything for her. Um, like she was supposed to go to rehab before the tour for mm -hmm. Back to Black and her dad had been like, no, nah, we're gonna push her to tour. Um, and it, it just was very interesting watching, um, you know, unfortunately her very young demise. And it was something too for me as I started to get into music, watching what happened to Amy and being like, wow, you know, these mm -hmm. are the people that she trusted. These yep. are people that, yeah didn't get her the tools and the resources she needs and so you know now being 31 and she passed away i think at 27 mm -hmm. um i see that and i think like what perspective i've gained since i was 27 to where i'm at now and where i was at at 27 and it was not where i'm at right now yeah. but i feel like i don't know um she was very transparent and open about what she was also struggling with in her lyrics and she wrote her lyrics and right. that was something that also very much resonated with me you know, I don't know. I, I am very transparent about going through it, but that's also what fuels my art. Well, that's good. Like I said, feed the soul. Writing your mm -hmm. own lyrics is tough enough, but then mm -hmm. producing that, putting that onto paper, and and making other people feel that. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's a that's that. I mean, I, I can hear it in your voice. I mean, thank you. You know, it's very apparent that it's there. You know. Yeah. It's important that it's there too. <laughs> yeah. Well, just be it true to yourself. There. You gotta yeah. be true to yourself. <clears throat> period. Yeah. End of discussion. And that goes for anything anyone's trying to do to feed their soul. Yeah. It's gotta true. be true. Mm-hmm. So, what's some of your next some of your um, next um, projects? And what are you working on right yeah, now? Yeah. So, I, I actually um, there's a producer Buddha Thai. Um, he's he's actually very legendary. He's from Oakland originally. 
lives here. Um, he actually was doing, he was very big on the scene here in the early 90s, um, but also as a producer um, and an MC. But he and I, for the past two years, worked on, we played all the tracks together and it's like two and a half hours of music right. that we just put together. So we're putting like a collaborative tape together and I kind of want to go back to just putting like a good old fashioned mixtape out. Um, yeah, but literally yeah. just having it be a collaborative tape that's just a soulful tape because he does a lot of like old funk samples and soul samples which is what is very near and dear to my heart and in a day and age where it's hard sometimes with the legality of samples we just thought let's go back to like hip-hop soul that intersection and put out a mixtape but make a soul mixtape yeah. so i'm in the process of actually mixing that down right now and i know he's like all right you know like you got these eps we've been working for years but um part of it is because i love what we've worked on mm -hmm. for so much like i haven't wanted to half-ass it at all i've wanted to take time and really make that happen and then beyond that i'm gonna take this next year to finally put out my first like solo full-length after like the 10 year anniversary of starting making music. So I just want to take the rest of this year to like work on visuals and directing mm -hmm. visuals with my brother and kind of making visuals that contrast like the the soulfulness of my voice. I want some more jarring visuals that kind of juxtapose like, oh, okay, she's got this real soulful R&B voice, but really have some like, let's call attention to what's going on in the world with visuals. And I yeah. think that'll be fun, but it needs time to marinate. So I want to sit and not keep doing these open sessions that I want to yeah. run into and record with all the time. Well, having those visuals, especially in the in in the in this temperature that we're living in right now, yeah. it's important. Yeah. And you're not going to lose any time on that because every day the bottom gets deeper. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how low can we go? There's, there's no bottom. There, there is, is no bottom. No we're just free falling. It's a black <laughs> Wake up every morning, go turn on NPR. Yep. Hey, what the fuck happened today? <laughs> Right? <laughs> no, and that, that's important. I mean, I think we can all agree that it's very important to keep to keep the word alive, you yeah. know, and, and being in music and having that presence and then being able to have that exposure really encompasses a lot. I mean, it's going to yeah. give a lot of people who otherwise probably wouldn't have the ability to know what's going on in every part of the country, yeah. you know, the ability to know, especially with a person who's from the Midwest, goes to the, goes to the West Coast, a black woman who goes through these you know the same you know similar things in that most people of color go through but on a different level especially yeah. when you're in entertainment business you got to see yeah. a lot of bullshit yeah. well and it's like it's hard too because it's you know i still struggle with like the elevator pitch of like what is my music what is that sound um even though i love r&b and soul it's like i still am very much like within electronic music i'm still very much within like like i grew up listening to a lot of punk music like and i feel like sometimes there's such a not sometimes most times black women in music are stigmatized to r&b and soul r&b and soul absolutely and it's frustrating because i even had you know recently one of the projects that i had worked on i realized very quickly they did not know how to market me because they never worked with a woman of color to be completely honest and so it was like okay you're doing electronic music but how do we you know they it was like we don't know how to fit you into this and from a business end it was very much like that's where the creative control part comes with me too even beyond like the the wanting to do the process seeing the business end of things and thinking oh i've worked so hard on this and i'm just shoving this over to the white guy george and hip-hop sales who's Gross. just like you know and that's literally how it is like wow. which is why i really love doing this independently because i've i've seen my own work get diminished so quickly by oh yeah how can we market this eh. 
doesn't fit this category, doesn't fit this category, so whatever, we're not gonna spend time promoting it. It feels like shit, on it that, really does. On that level, let me ask you this then. Um, talking about like you know by the way i'm still hardcore always. oh i love yeah. it windy city always yes hardcore. yes yes let's go but <laughs> on that level that seeing that um what black people were historically muffled when it came to rock and roll music especially punk music mm-hmm. were muffled how has the the an influence of like say east coast afropunk helped with that especially with the marketing because if they're having a hard time marketing you mm-hmm. what the fuck are they doing with all these people out here doing this this nuanced music of hardcore oh, that blacks are doing how are they marketing that well, they're, they're not, not. They're, they're, not. not. They they're not yeah. they can't they, they don't can. know what to do they don't know yeah. what to fucking do with yeah, it they're, they they're worried about bonivar or whatever that band is <laughs> you know <laughs> and, and, because i bonivar bonivar but but if even if they're you know you got you got these independent record producers on these coast that handle mm-hmm. these type of things mm-hmm. but if you're going to Afropunk is not a West Coast thing. This no. is an East Coast thing and yep. some of the Midwest yep. i.e. some meaning Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how it's being I know it's being marketed to me through social media but mm-hmm. I'm talking about these people signing these record deals and things like that. You know? Yeah, I think you know and in all honesty because of the internet I think a lot of times what happens is and this also comes from like why I want to make more visuals is like people will hear my voice and then it's like, oh wait, you'll get the publicity photos and there's a different, you know, interaction. They think all you sudden. out here with Afro puffs and y- shit. Yeah, well, they? it's like, it's it's that or it's also like, okay, you're ambiguous racially for some folks, depending on how people are aware. Like, it's like, I'm self-aware to realize like, this white person might go, oh, she's very, you know, they don't know who I am. And so it's like, when I realize I'm very proud of my blackness, it becomes like, whoa, 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 whoa. We, we didn't know how to, you know, we're, we're not even prepared for that. And so I feel like even with some of these festivals, even though it's like, even with Afropunk, like I know friends who've been like, yo, these festivals have become very white. And it's like completely going against like this niche of what we've been trying to literally like give these platforms for folks. Mm -hmm. I realize as I sit in these meetings sometimes, the folks in these boardrooms look very reminiscent of corporate America. It's the same shit. And so it's like, yeah. And it's like, now I'm like, okay, being an artist is great, but I want to get into these positions to give other platforms for folks because I'm realizing like, there is this wall that you hit. Like, and being independent is also me being like, I'm going to do what I want when I want with who I want. And they don't like that because <laughs> you can't be controlled. Well, they want it, they, the bottom line. It's all about the bottom line. It if is. you if you want them to make give the support and the funding, they have a bottom line. They need yes. to they need to be you know you know strict about. Yes, you know, and that fucks up people's music. Well, you know? and it does. Like I have I have friends who have told me when they sign a label, like sign to a label or sign to a contract, like. Ah, you got this line about the police, we gotta take that out. Oh, you've got this, now we can't have the symbolism in a video. I could never, like that That to me is like, you realize even within like a lot of these mainstream artists and I've seen it, it's it's like, yeah, they're, they're still like feeding a certain lane and they're still not going outside of it because they don't wanna mess their money are up. Those, like the A&R people? Yeah, oh, yeah. it's like A&R and, and the folks who are just signing the checks who are like, yeah, I don't even care about this music, but I'm the one giving this money to this artist. I don't like it, yeah. you know? <laughs> this yeah. goes back to what I was saying though about, um, about art and commerce or about the business side of mm-hmm. art. And many, many times artists 
just cannot sell themselves, don't know how to sell mm-hmm. themselves, are too sensitive to sell themselves. Many times we just never hear these artists who are probably yes. geniuses. And instead we get these, you know, many times these fucking cornflakes who are yes. putting out this drivel and yes. it's just kind of sad and depressing. It is. I mean, I was even listening to like satellite <laughs> radio on the way over here and I'm like, yo, this is payola. There's no reason for no. some of these yeah. artists to be on the radio. And just getting, it's just, yeah, it's getting paid. just getting paid. And a lot of folks too who are cool with like hey just let me get paid i don't care because well, it's not about the art that's right you know? that's one of the reasons why you only see only time you hear black thought is when you see him on the jimmy kimmel show but mm-hmm. you ain't hearing this real shit though mm-hmm. you got to go to the interwebs to hear his real yeah. shit you know because but you ain't gonna hear that on the radio no you know they ain't put they ain't putting that on the radio no you know you ever you know he got 10 minute he got 10 minute rhymes and stuff like yeah. that that do not Institute and include everybody. No, know? not so at all. So when they're when they telling you that we're gonna have to take this out and take that, I was like, well, you ain't, you ain't, we ain't even on the same page. I mean, you know? it's like, yeah, you said like the roots have to code switch. Yeah, they got a code like, switch. <laughs> That's what it's called. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, straight up and it's fucked you know? up Coonin yeah. 101 Coonin 101 as I've always said Coonin 101 and you know and that's, and that's the, the business and yeah. that's the business though cause you gotta eat too but yep. but yep. I but see on the root side you got just like you you got your art you got your soul yep. you gotta feed yep. so if you really wanna hear some black thought you really wanna hear some real Erica you yep. gotta go to the interwebs and find that cause they, they ain't putting like, that on the radio nah and it's like they are playing the game like they, those yeah. checks are going into it and it and it that is the industry. It is you know, the industry. It is, and that's one thing I learned. Like, you know, early on when I was getting so dismayed, like, oh, how does this happen? I had a lot of friends who were like, yo, this is this is what we mean by this is the business. This is the industry. You can make your way, but it's like you have to play devil's advocate. You got to really, like, sit in some rooms with some folks and, you know, endure some tough Shit. Conver- yeah, some uh, tough. Bring your shit. own bottle of bleach too. Yeah, just in yeah, case, you, you know, know? <laughs> and it's wild because I think sometimes too, being like a lighter skinned artist, there's this. I get this like, this. Uh, I'm trying to find the right word. This perception, you know, where it's literally I'll sit down and then it's like, oh wait, she doesn't want to fit this lane, or you know, I used to get the, are you more of an Alicia Keys, a Beyonce, Rihanna? <laughs> It'd be like, okay, so let's do three or four black women that this white crowd knows of A and R reps, and where do you fit? And it'd be like, no, I'm I'm K Radio, you know, yeah, like, yeah. and that's and that's who I am, and it would be like. Well, how do we market you without you know and it's like maybe I just want to put how do music we market out you know you? try to be honest for a change yeah, yeah. No, they want or you to be stretch, approachable yeah, yeah or stretch boundaries of artistic understanding how yeah. about yeah. that yeah. but it also makes me sad because I realize there's so many folks who that's where the, the road ends where it becomes like okay I have to you know assimilate to this you don't right. You don't. And it, I do feel like there's a way. The industry is also, like, really shifting. There's a way to get around this. I'm trying to figure mm. out that way. But I don't think we have to bow these down these guys this. that have signed these contracts, they have to put they out do. that stuff. They're they do. They do. They're stuck. And often, often they don't feel like, they don't know that they're stuck until after they get fucked. And then they actually sit and read the contract. Yes. After their money been funny. Yes. They're like, oh, or they Not realize that, that was an advance, and hey, you were supposed to make this many sales to recoup your costs. Yeah. You're never going to make those sales back. So here's a lawsuit to take everything from you. Yeah. Like, it's wild. See, I thought you were going to say that the record industry is shifty, not shifting. Oh, well, <laughs> I, was I mean, say, well, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's shifting shifty. and it's shifty, you know? No, that's a hip shaker. Shit. So, what's yeah. one of the hardest things you've learned endeavoring into all of this by yourself? Uh, I think the hardest thing is that. Um, 
you can get betrayed by anybody. Um, and it's it's hard because it is like, at the end of the day, it is a business, right? Um, if I wanna continue making art for the sake of art, then you're right, I could be on State Street, you know, just playing a guitar. I have to also come to terms with myself as being, okay, I wanna be able to have a career out of this. So in what way, it's like, how how much do I weigh my moral compass and my integrity? What is the level of, of success that I want? Um, and what does that look like? I've realized that like certain levels of success, yeah, they look great from a distance, but some folks have done some wild things to get to that point, or they've, mm -hmm. um, they've they've compromised in a sense that i'm realized that's not for me so i'm at a place where it's like if i can pay my bills and and you know be happy and have a career and people are literally fans of my music and support that that's success to me 10 years ago i wouldn't have said the same thing because i thought okay yeah i do want to you know be on the radio and i do want to do this i am on the radio i'm on community radio or i'm on the bbc you know, even realizing like my success overseas versus here, you know, like I'll get a message from somebody in Germany or somebody in Japan and it's like, wow, K-Radio, like I got a video from this 14 year old girl a few years ago, like doing a dance routine in Japan to one of my songs <laughs> wow. and like wow. thinking that I'm huge. And then I'm like, yo, I can't even get in the door of my own show because they're like, yeah, you don't have a press thing. And I'm like, I'm the person on the marquee. You know what I mean? Like, please, let me, I'm not a groupie. Like, I'm trying to sound check. So it, it's like, you have to have a sense of humor. You really do. Um, and success isn't linear. That's what I've learned. Right. The ebbs and flows. Mm -hmm. I went from performing at Soundset, was it five years ago? Yeah, five years ago in front of thousands of people and thinking, all right, you know, this is it. And nothing happened for me for months after that. Mm -hmm. And I think for me too, locally, there's a lot of hip hop artists that think like, and you know, and that's nothing on Soundset. That's just in terms of like what it's, being in this industry and what it means to continue to have success. A lot of artists will go, you know what, I'll finally get to that big stage at Soundset and that's it and I'm gonna make it. I was at that place and then it hit like one of the lowest points in my life wow. because I was on this trajectory and then nobody was checking for me. It was nothing. And it was just really wild. And it was also at the time where I was collaborating with a lot of other male artists. Their careers were just fine. Mm -hmm. um, and that was something too where I'm like, I, I don't know. You know, it, it could be something that was just very particular to my own career. Um, but I also feel like mentally, emotionally, physically, I wasn't in a place for real success. And sometimes I have to look at maybe timing really was on my side. I had some other lessons to really learn. Mm -hmm. um, I had a show where legally I cannot speak of the show because of what happened. But a couple weeks back, um, I had a show that I thought I was headlining um, and they pulled the plug when I was backstage and said, oh, there's not enough tickets sold at a local venue here. Um, and it was one of the most infuriating moments of my career, to be completely honest, um, where I felt like I was really set up for failure. Mm. I was the only woman on the bill. I was the only black woman on the bill. I was did the only they, black person. Did they person. mix your, oh, your I was, performance? Literally, it was like the doors had been open for a couple hours, and then 35, 40 minutes before my set, I was told backstage that they were gonna pull the plug on the show while people were coming to the front of the stage. Um, it was wow. like the most infuriating thing that's ever happened. Um, and then was told not to post about it legally. Um, it was wild. and then, Passive aggressiveness. Yeah, and it was one of those things where it's like, because I'm my own manager, because I'm my own agent, like it wasn't like calling my team and being like, hey, this happened. It was like me having to take all this 
going home and breaking a few things, like to be mm. honest and being like, yo, this is, I feel disrespected. But the biggest thing in my career has been when I feel disrespected, a fire is ablaze. And it's actually like my biggest motivation. So it can be a gift and a curse, but I feel like I really turned a corner by having that horrible situation where it's also prompted me to be like, okay, well, at some point when I'm super, super successful, I can think about that time in my own hometown where I was disrespected when I was headlining this show. And that will fuel me to wherever I end up being. But I, it had to happen, I think, to really show me what can really happen when you're least expecting it. And in that same week, I got a big break with a voiceover job. So it was like big job that I've always wanted and being disrespected in this lane with music. Yeah. Same week, so, you know, when slams one opens. Yeah. Yeah. Know? And it happened. And that's that's what I've learned the most is right. you can have the best day and the worst day of your life in the same day with this industry. But your eyes well are said. on the prize, and that's important. Yeah, it's true. You know, so it's safe to say that you you would never ever want to be anybody else at this point in your life. No, you never trade I, I love myself. Anybody. I love myself. That's, that, I, that's I what do. I'm talking about. I do. That's what I'm talking about. I've come through so much shit. I've I literally like a book will happen at some point in my life because I look back sometimes and I'm like, wow, like I'm 31 and I've I've gone through hell and high water to get to where I'm at. And that is what really pushes me to keep going. I've come way too far. Uh, my family members have come way too far. My ancestors have come way too far for me to stop now. Um, right on, right on. I, I can deal Great. with all this. Where do you want to be in 10 years? In 10 years, I want to be in a place where I'm giving other people resources. I want to be able to pay my bills off of music alone. And I want to say that um, I'm already happy with the music that I've put out, but I really want to make an album that really feels like sonically what I've always envisioned. I've got this vision in my head and it's not there yet, but it's like if I got happy home, hopefully, you know, kids at some point, maybe we'll see. Um, but just making sure that my family's happy and healthy and that I'm able to, to be a bridge to other people. Cause I've had to like, push doors down myself and I, I don't want anybody else to have to kind of go through what I had to get through mm -hmm. to get to this point. It shouldn't have to be this right. hard. It shouldn't. So I just want to be able to be that bridge for other young queer black artists that are just like, hey, I'm trying to make it out here. You yeah. know what I mean? Great. Like hard on these streets. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and it doesn't need to be. It's the gatekeepers that make it hard. Yeah, this is true. This is true. They I, do make it hard. Yeah. I met K-Radio doing a She-Rock. She-Rock, yeah. which is a all-girls... How would you describe it? It's an all-girls music week of just kind of intense Yes, yeah, like a, a rock retreat. Like it's a, a rock retreat. retreat. That's yeah. right, yep. So that's when I met K-Radio. Was this a thing last year? It's but. been happening for about 14 years. Yeah, now. yeah. every summer. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't hear about it till last year, and I think I heard about it from you. But um, and so that's how I met K Radio, and, and she was doing all this electronic stuff. It's one of the new divisions of She Rock, is showing girls, synth. not just synth. Yeah, well, it's yeah. like I program everything like Ableton, so I play a push. Mm, yeah, so yeah. it's like literally using that was what I was really helping a lot of people on this summer. And it's got to be really satisfying too to watch girls learn their abilities, and not just yes. well, I don't know how to play a. a a guitar or play the drums or whatever it's like well you can still make music you don't need yeah. to necessarily play a traditional instrument you can yeah. 
do these things. And so it was, it tell us a little bit about that for you. Yeah, so for me, because I'm, you know, I took, shout out to Minneapolis Public Schools, I played the flute all through school back when music programming allowed that. Um, but beyond so did that, I, actually. did you? Yeah. yeah. Beyond that, it was like I didn't have piano lessons. I didn't take voice. Um, I learned how to write everything. My, like everything that I've done with my K radio career has been self taught beyond taking a couple classes um, to kind of brush up on basics. So for me, being able to sit down, and it has been really beautiful, like using the push, using Ableton, that's how I produced that song. Mm -hmm. um, everything was like, I'm literally playing out the production on a push. So it's like, sequencing everything but actually feeling like okay i do live production now like live sets which i've never done before but working with young people and being able to be like whatever song you hear in your head you can play this out and you don't need to know music theory you don't like you can literally feel it out intuitively like i've also realized that young people are so intuitive that they catch on super fast so I was learning from some of these young people going, wow, okay, that shortcut's dope. Show me that again, you know? But it was incredible because it was like, oh, you wanna program this? Let's do it. You tell me what you wanna do and we're gonna figure out a way to do that. That is like, you talk about self-esteem, you talk about confidence, you talk about young women in music being like, you know what, I got this. I don't need this man to teach me how to do this. Cause I was looking over producer's shoulders for 10 years going, oh, cause you're not telling me what, okay, I guess I'll look that up later. And it'd be like, oh yeah, I did this and this and this. And you know, men in AV can be very much that way. Oh, I just did this and this and I don't need to talk through this. And it's cool to be in a setting to be like, nah, here's how you do this. How do you want to do this? It's cool to ask questions. As an adult, I didn't even have that. So it's like to be in a setting and I do work with Beats by Girls too. So it's like I do classes with like women and non-binary adults literally being like, hey, you want to make music? You don't have any experience? Come on in. It's awesome. You know, it's awesome. Fabulous. So it's like you're literally giving people the tools to create what they want to create and the level of confidence just skyrockets. Yeah, absolutely it does. <laughs> so going back to your 10-year plan, it seems like you're already giving people some of that. I, You know, and it's like as I sit and reflect, it's like that's a beautiful thing. I was thinking that today. It's <laughs> like little Krista, little Kay would be super happy with like what's going on. So it's like when you have to stop and reflect, it's like, okay, like maybe I should just be more in the present right now and just kind of see what happens next. You know, that's a beautiful thing. And I'm very grateful for the opportunities that I've had to get to this point. But I've also created some of them for myself, you know. Good Sometimes we have to. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. A lot of time. Most of the time, most we time. have. We yeah. have to. <laughs> yes, we yes. do. Yes. <laughs> so I think we. Everybody in this room is self-made. You know, we've yeah. done. We've done all of our own work and did all of it. Did did it all ourselves. Yep. Yep. You know, and and just Clawed like you, our way out. Claude. Yes. You know, I mean, that's that's pride. You know, yeah, you know. and we should be able to be proud of that. You yeah, know, it's like should. it's hard being in an environment or in different environments where it's like looked down upon to be like, no, nah, I did this. You know, yeah. and it's finally like I'm at a place in my life of finally starting to be like, no, nah, I did this. I you blame know? that on Minnesota. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, yeah, that's a Minnesota thing. Keep your ass on the north side. Don't, don't come over here with no demo tape. <laughs> Talk about you're going to produce your own music. Yeah. It's like, no, pick a lane. Stay in that lane, please. You know, I don't, I want the whole highway. I don't want a lane. So there you go. Mm -hmm. The Autobahn. That's fabulous. The Autobahn. The music yes. Autobahn. Yes. <laughs> I want it all. <laughs> K Radio, it's been such a pleasure having you. Thank I you love so you very much. much. It's been, a, it's been really great. Appreciate Thank you for this. the insight. Oh. 
thank you for having me. It's, this is the best conversation I've had, and I feel like it came at a perfect time in my life, not just in my career, but in my life. So I appreciate you all holding space to let me be honest with I'm you. I'm gonna tell all. my 17-year-old kid about you. Oh, please right do, away. please do. Because girl, you out there slaying it. Yeah. Thank you, You're thank you, I'm trying. Good. K Radio on Bandcamp. Where else can people find you? Yeah, K Radio on Bandcamp. Um, if you want to stream, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, and kradio.com was just acquired, so that website will be up in the month. I'm working on that too. All right, That's K R A Y D I O. Correct. Correct. All right. That's me. Yay. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you. y'all. Thank you so much. Well, I am Tricky Mickey. I'm Malcolm Tent. I'm Big Germ. Thank you so much for listening, y'all. Till next time. <laughs>